Welcome to the Halftime Report, powered by Sports Cannabis. I'm your host, D-Ray, and today we are joined by a very, very, very special guest, former professional soccer athlete turned cannabis industry leader and advocate, Rachel Rapino. What's the deal, Rachel? <laughs> How's it going, Ray? Thank you for Canvas for having me. I'm pumped to have this conversation. It's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you too. Here's the thing. When we get on here, I do a soft introduction like I just did, but we like the guests to introduce themselves because nobody can do it justice like you do. So please tell us who Rachel Pino is. Who I am. Okay, how much time do I have? Am I on the clock? No. Uh well, okay, so I'll give I'll give you guys a quick and dirty. I um Grew up in Northern California, very rural, very conservative area. You know, just say no to drugs area like we all, or era like we all came up in. My twin sister, you guys may know her, her name's Megan Rapino. We were huge just sports nuts. Soccer, basketball were our two main loves. We ended up going up to the University of Portland on scholarship, played at UP, and you know, I went on to play a couple years abroad. Obviously, Megan's still playing, but really my, my story, like my love of wellness and fitness and human biology starts in college. Cause when I became a single sport athlete, that's when all my injuries started happening. I went into college. I've always been an entrepreneur. I was always the kid with like the lemonade stands, dog sitting, babysitting, house cleaning, like anything I can do to scrape up some money. We didn't grow up with a lot. So like, I wanted to like make money, you know, I wanted some money. So I went into college with finance, you know, thinking I was going to be a finance major, I have a love of food. And so I thought I was going to go to a culinary school and like open up restaurants. And, but then all my injuries started happening. And I, when I was 21, so my junior year of college, I blew up my knee for the first time. And that was the first time I was prescribed opiates. I was way over, over prescribed and was not given proper instruction on how to use them, definitely abuse them. Um, and, but it sort of like, led me to a path in human biology. It sort of helped me like connect with my body in a way that I never did before. Just the whole rehabilitation process, mind, body, spirit, everything like really has to be connected if you want to come back from those types of injuries. So I changed my major. I became a pre-med major. So I got my undergrad in biology. Hmm. But over the course of that six-year span, I ended up having six surgeries, which tried a ton of opiates, sleeping aids, super high anti-inflammatories. And it just it really detrimented my career. I just couldn't stay healthy. Um, I wouldn't say I became like dependent on the opiates per se, but I think the opiates were just masking some of the injuries I had. And so I wasn't really like able to take care of my body, I think properly the way that I should have had I been taking maybe more like plant-based medicine for my inflammation and for my pain and the anxiety that I was feeling too. I mean, it was undiagnosed anxiety, but looking back, like I definitely had some, some anxiety going through those types of surgeries and just figuring out my sexuality and all that. But it ended up just, like I said, catapulting me into a career in health and wellness. I went and got my master's of science in health and exercise science. And for the past 10 years, I've essentially been working in the wellness fitness space. So prior to Mindy, I had a business, I was a performance coach here in Portland, and I was training elite collegiate professional athletes, mostly soccer players. I was the head performance coach for the University of Portland women's soccer team, had a national event business, a little apparel line. It was all just kind of rooted in like, helping athletes be their best selves, both in the gym, on the pitch, off the pitch. But during that time as a coach, I just became so passionate about the role recovery plays. Cause as you know, like there's only so much training you can do. There's only so many 
hours in the gym, hours on the field that you can spend training. So, so much of your time becomes about what are the little things, marginal gains you can, you can have off the field, sleeping right, eating right, drinking right to better prepare you for the next day. So became very passionate about nutrition and supplementation and just, you know, hydration and just really becoming more of a health coach versus a performance coach. And a lot of my athletes were coming to me as the authority figure, asking questions about hemp and cannabis products because they knew they felt better taking those products than the other pills they were taking, but like they didn't know why. And they were very confused about dosage and the science and what brands to trust. And, you know, so really just like I started doing research, I started taking them myself and very quickly it kind of changed my life. And then I, as an entrepreneur, I just saw that there is, there could be a, a real opportunity to build a brand in the athletic recovery sector of the market and to be a trusted brand for athletes and active lifestyles who are using it for pain and stress and sleep and energy and some of these more, you know, wellness derived uh, benefits versus just more, you know, just kind of like the, the blanketed like rec uh, market. So I started Mindy 2019. We concepted it and did a business accelerator program. I had a few co-founders at the time. Now it's just myself. Um, but at the time there was a group of us and we just were passionate about the mission and wanted to create a brand that championed, you know, equity and equality in the space, because obviously this plant and these products have been stigmatized and people have been stigmatized and that's not right. And so we want to make sure that we do it the right way and stand for the right things and create great products for people that want them. So that's just kind of the quick and dirty uh, of who I am and how I got here. You, you said something though, that, that it, it kind of my ear twitched when you said it, you talked about how coming back from certain type of injuries, injuries that just really seem to take you out. Like you have the ankle sprain, you have the, the smaller ones, but then you have things like Achilles tears and, and, and ACL, LCL tears or hip issues and things like that. And you talked about how it, it, you have to be clear in your mind, body, spirit, and soul. Like it, it takes all of you to come back from. If you were allowed to take it at that time, what do you think it would have assisted with the most, the mental approach or the physical approach or the spiritual approach or the emotional approach? Like which, which part of that journey do you think cannabis would have helped with the most? I think mental and emotional, to be honest. Fortunately, I'm knocking on wood. I've, of all the surgeries I've had, I've had an ankle surgery. I've had four knee surgeries. My joints feel great. I do feel like I've been able to fully recover, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of like my bone structure or my muscles. But yeah. the emotional and mental toll that it took on me, the anxiety that I felt, the stress that I felt, I mean, as an athlete, like you're just under so much stress, your sport is, you're just kind of like living on the edge all the time. And that was really stressful for me to deal with. And so I would say like, I didn't realize how much anxiety and stress that I had during my twenties until I started taking hemp products and cannabis products. And just, it started just balancing out my mental and emotional state, um, which is what the endocannabinoid system does when it's functioning properly, it keeps you in homeostasis. So it's not like you're never going to have the highs or lows, but they're not going to be as high and they're not going to be as low. So I would say that's the biggest impact that it's made for me is just, I feel so much more balanced throughout the day it just takes the edge off. It really does. Like even just our full spectrum hemp gummies, just when I don't have, when I'm not taking those for a couple of days, I just feel a little bit more on edge. 
which then I'm not able to focus as much. And, you know, it just, it kind of has a cascading effect. So I would say that's the biggest thing. And then sleep too. I wouldn't say that I struggle to fall asleep, but I, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and then it's hard for me to go back to sleep. So making sure that like I have either our sleep tincture or our gummies to take at night just helps me like get that full eight to nine hours of sleep. That's crazy. You said that you're on edge all the time. And it's funny, I was literally just describing to someone two days ago, I was telling them as a former professional athlete, I described as a high. I said you're living on a high all the time because of the instant gratification that you see, especially nowadays with social media. You have a good game, you get on Instagram, you immediately see it. I actually feel like we're saying the same thing. My my yeah. perspective of it was that as an as a pro athlete, to your point, your highs are so high and your lows are so low that to me, I describe it as like, you're just living on the edge. Like you, compared to a nine to five job where things are a little bit more consistent and you know, you kind of know what's going to happen day to day or week to week with athletes. Like your schedule can change like that. Your practice schedule will change. All of a sudden you're getting pulled from this drill or getting pulled from this game. And you're, you're constantly pivoting. I was headed, You're constantly pivoting. Yeah. So it's kind of, so my perspective was like, you're kind of living on the edge a little bit compared to just now what I know is like normal life. But I, I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just your highs are high, your lows are low, and it can be really addictive. When it's good, it's addictive. But when it's bad or stressful, for me, it just it was it gave me a lot of anxiety. I feel like the aha moment. We always ask our guests, "What was the aha moment for you with cannabis?" And when I say aha moment, I mean it could be smoking, it could be researching, it could be edible, it could be a bad experience, it could be whatever it is that made you be like, okay, you know what? I have to go further into this. You know what I mean? I have, this is where my journey starts with this plan. Yeah, man. I think it was a series of aha moments. Like I said, definitely just uh, the subtle effect over a 30 to 60 day period of taking these products consistently and then reflecting back and noticing how much calmer I felt and how much more balanced I felt emotionally. I know this is going to sound crazy, right? But one of the things that actually really struck me, my whole twenties and early thirties, I would crash at like two or 3 PM in the afternoon. And I like religiously, I had to have a, an Americano or like an, something, you know, ice, iced espresso or something like that. Like had to religiously, I could not go a single day without having it. After two months of taking just even hemp products, full spectrum hemp products consistently, my system felt so balanced. I wasn't crashing. And I kind of even like forgot about the coffee until I reflected back and realized like I hadn't, I hadn't needed an afternoon pick me up. That yeah. was actually an aha moment for me, to be honest, because I'm, I am definitely addicted to coffee. I love it. I need like two to three cups in the morning. Maybe, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I actually needed to wake up, but I just love coffee. And so there was actually a part of me that was like sad that I didn't need afternoon coffee anymore because I genuinely love coffee. But that was actually something that blew my mind because I would say for a decade at least, I was like addicted to that afternoon coffee. And literally within two months of taking hemp consistently, I just didn't, and I've never really done it since. Like now I can't even drink coffee after like 11 a.m. Otherwise I'm like wired. It's crazy. It's crazy. So you, like you, you're just, you're hitting all the, the points that I, I've been talking <laughs> about. Last week I cut out coffee completely. 
Wow. For me, the reason I quit cold turkey was because to me, cannabis and coffee do not mix. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I have realized that I had to like, I really, you know, journal and see how I feel when I take certain things. Like when it comes to that combination of cannabis and coffee, I felt like biologically your body is kind of, it's, 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 it's very easy to start fighting itself because you have mm-hmm. one product, let's go, let's move. And you have another one saying, slow down, let's pace yeah. this. And to mm-hmm. me, both, they just, they put me in a spot. So you saying you, you like coupling cannabis with coffee? Well, it's just my morning ritual. And okay. I don't, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I, it's hard to say if it's good for me or if it's serving me, but I think it's just, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to give up that morning cup of coffee. I love it so much, but I can't drink it now past the morning. Now it just like will completely mess up my system, both mentally and emotionally the rest of the day and night. If I have coffee past 10 or 11 AM. So I've had to cut that out completely since taking hemp for sure. Because to your point, the more I take hemp and cannabis products, just the more balanced I feel. So it just, it doesn't serve me in the afternoon anymore. Um, cause then I don't really need it. And I, I want it. I want that edge to be taken off versus like getting a spike, but I do, I just love that ritual in the morning. You're, you're definitely educated on it. Is this self-education or was it a series of, you know, teaching rather than seminars or talking to people? Like when did you start to gain so much knowledge of, uh, of the cannabis plant? Well, I'm a, I'm, you know, uh, a science uh, nut through and through. Like I, I definitely don't, I don't consider myself necessarily even a businesswoman. I mean, I own a business, but like my love is science and research. And um, that's what my, you know, I'm my BS, I'm my MS. So I definitely, it's, it's been a mix of like anecdotal evidence and like self-discovery of okay. just like journeying through all of the different types of products that you can use and dosages and timing and all that. But I, I definitely am a avid researcher. We have, you know, an advisor on our advisory board, Don Moxley, who's an exercise physiologist. He's been doing 35 years of this research. So he's, you know, he has like over 4 million data points of cannabis use in sports and recovery or performance and recovery. Um, so he sent me like endless amounts of paper. So it's been a mix of both. I mean, there's so much research out there, which is, you know, when people say like, there's not enough evidence, it's like, actually there is. And we've been doing research for decades. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely a mix of both. I, 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 but I do, I do love to research. Um, and we, we like to be science back too. So even just outside of the, the hemp products that we use, all of like the botanicals and, and mushroom adaptogens and minerals that we use, it's all formulated with our sports science team, our chemists and with our manufacturers as well to make sure that this is the most efficacious product that we can put on the market. You said we, so we, this is the perfect pivot for it. Mendy, help me understand it. the product line, the mission, the movement. Like, talk to us about Mendy. So ultimately, our mission is to help people thrive by using the most natural products possible. That's like, we want to help people be their best selves, tap into the best version of themselves using plant-based recovery products. Um, we're, I mean, at the end of it, like at the core of who we are, we're just a reimagined plant-based wellness brand. That's, you know, that's really it. We, uh, we're always going to be all natural. We want to source local here in Oregon. Um, we manufacture local here in Oregon. Um, Mindy is derived from the word mend. So, uh, you know, on the men, like a recovery brand, uh, we're definitely 
positioned as an athlete focused recovery brand. We have a suite of products. We have like seven different product categories because we really want to like meet the athletes wherever they're at on the journey, whether they like taking baths or want to soak their feet. We have soaking salts, we have massage oils, we have, you know, salve sticks for like a quick kind of topical rub on pain reliever where you don't have to get on your hands. We have tinctures, stress and sleep tinctures, gummies, um, gel caps. And then we're launching these drink tablets, dissolvable drink tablets actually next week. Um, you know, because we really want to like meet people wherever they're at on their journey to, to staying on top of their game or getting back to the top of their game. Um, another thing about us too, is we formulate products for, for specific benefit categories. So stress relief, energy, sleep, or pain relief. So all of our products fall within one, one of those four different benefit categories, because we want people, we're trying to make it as easy as possible when people come to our ecosystem um, for them to be able to navigate, you know, starting with their ailment, what product do they need? And then once they get to that product category, where are you at? What are you looking for? Do you want a topical? Do you want a tincture? Do you want a gummy? So we have a kind of a, a suite of recovery products, but it's all within those four benefit categories. But then on top of that, so that's like, that's our product side, but our brand rally cry is to level the playing field in the sports and cannabis industry. Uh, we, we hope to build a brighter future by taking care of our athletes, by destigmatizing cannabis and sports, and really just like changing the narrative of like, who are the people using these products and why are they using them and why is it important? Um, and then doing it collectively. Um, we definitely believe in the power of, of collaboration. I think that's obviously the only way that real change is ever going to be, um, you know, successfully achieved. So we have a group of wonderful, you know, we have about 12 athletes on our cap table that have invested in us. Um, we're deeply integrated in the sports landscape. And really we're just, we're trying to just make sure that we're always staying credible and staying um, kind of a trusted brand for, for a lot of these athletes to be able to rely on. Well, shout out me. <laughs> it was good to hear somebody who's talking about it in such a, a passionate, purposeful, driven way. Like you understand where y'all want to be at the end of this thing. Yeah, we do. And I think it, at the end of the day, quality is always going to win out. You know, I mean, there's certainly a lot of people who have jumped on the bandwagon and who are making products that might be good, but not great. But I think in order to survive in this industry, because it is very competitive, it is very saturated. I think that the way that the consumer industry has moved is like you, you got to put money and time and energy into building brand equity in the category and brand development and like really making sure that you know who you are and know you, what you want to champion and know who, who your consumer is. Um, but then you got to have quality products too. I mean, I think we're seeing, we've seen a lot of brands drop off because their products just weren't good enough. And it just kills me when people come to us and they say, Oh, I used CBD once or I used hemp once and it didn't work for me. And it just, it bums me out hearing that because it, it it does work. It's so effective when used at the right dose and if it's a quality product, you know? So we're just hoping to change that narrative too. Y'all will, y'all will. All right, that's the halftime. Um, I don't know if we told you, but halftime is the, the, the moment where we take four minutes and 20 seconds to tell your best, worst, favorite, or first high story. Okay. Well, first, I'm going to plug our drink tablets in because these are launching first week of August. Dissolvable, high
hydrating botanical blends for stress relief and for energy. So check those out because they're awesome. Nothing is like it on the market. We're really proud. This is our baby. It's taken us a year and a half to formulate these. So got to give that a plug. I, I'm going to tell you my first high story. This was like my early 20s. I was working in a doctor's office in the off season and I'd never really taken cannabis before and certainly not an edible. I've smoked, I smoked like in college and stuff, but I hadn't really taken edibles. So I didn't really know like how long it was going to hit, you know, how long it takes until it hits. But one of my colleagues gave me a bag of frozen weed that she had had for however long. And she was like, just thaw it out, put it, melt it in some butter and make some brownies. So I was like, great. Sounds easy enough. So I did that. I didn't know how strong it was, made some brownies, didn't know how much to use, but you know, ate one, waited about 30 minutes, and like I didn't feel anything, but the brownies were so good. So I was like, well, this weed probably is old. It's probably like, you know, bad. I'm just gonna like keep eating these brownies. So I ended up eating six brownies that night. And of course, two hours later, as I was like going to bed, it hit me. And I swear to God, Ray, like I thought I was going to die. I was throwing up everywhere because like the room was spinning. I felt like, I always describe it, I was laying in my bed and it felt like my heart was sinking through my bed. And then I was like dying. I was like having the craziest trip. I ate way too many brownies. Clearly the weed was still good, but yeah, that was my first like true high experience. Like I said, I had smoked a little bit in college, but I I would feel it like a little bit, but nothing too crazy. But that was the first time I had ever like eaten edibles. The brownies and the cookies are so tricky because if that oil runs to like one side, I've had times where it's like the oil has ran to one side of the pan. So you eat the first half, oh, this is nothing. But what happened is... For some reason, all the oil seeped into a few of the brownies or the edge of the pan. It's just sitting there, like you said, like, I, I don't drink, but I've heard enough stories of the spins to understand it's not fun. And I really think if you take enough brownies, enough edibles or whatever, it's going to get you there. Yeah, yeah. It definitely got me there. I, yeah, it was a crazy trip. And honestly, like, it, I was so scared to take edibles for years. I didn't start, so this was probably my early 20s. I probably didn't have another edible for like another five or six years after that. Probably not to like my late 20s because I was so scared. Thank you for that. Thank you for being vulnerable with that story too. I know that's they put you on the spot sometimes those stories because people kind of they'll hold on to them. So thank you for, for sharing. Yeah, of course. We got to talk about policy. I, I feel like you are very close to in the sense of being aware of how like if you're up there in Portland and you're in business the rules for you are completely different from the rules of somebody in Wyoming. And they're completely different for somebody here in Philadelphia. And they're completely different for somebody in Boston. With all these like independent policies and independent power movement, where do you think that's going to land cannabis on a political stage? Do you think it's going to be something that, all right, federally, they're just going to say, you know what, let's just do it. Let's just legalize it federally. Or do you think they kind of like where it is now, where each state decides what they want to do for the most part. I think it's, there's too many, there's too many players at stake that have stakes in the game, which is why it's taking so long for it to get federally legalized. And I think it's, I think we're still a ways off because too many people just have too big of a stake in the cannabis industry and nobody wants to lose money. And ultimately when you legalize it, there's going to have to be a lot of compromise from each state and operator. Um, and someone's going to lose money. 
So there's going to be a lot of money to be made, but certain people are going to lose money. So I think that um, with all the lobbying going on, I just I see it not happening for a while, unfortunately, which is why I mean, we're hemp right now. We're not even in the THC space because it just it's so convoluted. It's so confusing. And I'm just I'm a little bit nervous to get in because I don't I'm just kind of waiting to see like what happens with legalization because it's so cash intensive to start a THC business. And I'd hate for something to change two years down the road. Now I've dumped all of this money into an operation in Michigan when I could have just made that stuff here and, you know, had it freighted there or something. Um, So, yeah, I, you know, unfortunately I just think that there's so many players in the game now and there's some players with very deep pockets and they're, they're all hiring lobbyists. And I think that um, it's, I do think it's going to be hard to get everyone on the same page because there's, it's going to require a compromise. And even in the hemp industry, I mean, even that is interesting, like with Delta eight and Delta nine and CBN and CBG, all these miners, I mean, in Oregon, I don't know if you know this, but even in Oregon, as of July, CBN is banned. Mm-hmm. You can't sell products with CBN in it. And then you can't sell Delta. We have never been able to sell Delta eight products. And then uh, next summer, it's going to be banned on the THC side too. So you can't sell products with CBN specifically that minor cannabinoid and dispensaries as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like every six months or so, there's like a new regulation that's being rolled out, even just on the hemp side. And Oregon has some pretty, I would say Oregon is like the uh, most conservative when it comes to introducing minor cannabinoids or anything that's like synthetically derived. So they really want to keep like full plant here in Oregon. Okay. So yeah, even on the hemp side, like it's, you know, it's interesting. Like some of these rules, we found it out in January that CBN was going to be banned. It's crazy because some of these hemp companies, they've built their whole business off their CBN sleep, sleep line. And now they've gone out of business yeah, and they've built like multi-million dollar businesses. Slight pivot, slight pivot. Do you think too much of the marketing for cannabis is geared towards the the lazy stoner cliche? Yeah, well, I mean, you've definitely seen that historically. I think there, you know, there are some brands like Primitive Wellness with what Calvin Johnson and Rob Sims are doing, who are positioning their cannabis brand as elevated wellness. So, you know, it's the ownership is also on the companies, on the brands. Um, and how they want to storytell. I, I do think that there's a bigger trend in the cannabis industry to get the most amount of milligrams for the cheapest that you can, which yeah. is going to drive quality down. So some yeah. of these boutique, high quality, performance-based companies will be driven out of business because there there's still like an overwhelming trend to to just get like the highest doses that you can. But I do I- think that there's an underbelly of people like me who want it for performance base or, you know, what it, whether it's like mental clarity or sleep or whatever, who like are wanting to consume more consciously and yeah. wanting to kind of microdose throughout the day. I think that there is a massive audience for that, especially for women. I think historically speaking, cannabis products have not been marketed to women who are busy and working full time and our moms and her have, are juggling a lot. And a lot of the brands are more tailored towards like a masculine person or someone who's just kind of wanting to use it for, you know, after work hours or weekend hours or whatever. And I think there's a massive market for women specifically who need natural products to help with their anxiety, to help with stress, to help with sleep. I mean, for women, for their stressful days and their sleepless nights, like 
think how many women that are in this market. And I would say a lot of the brands, whether it's just packaging, aesthetics, positioning of the products, the influencers that they've come on board, you know, that they've uh, paid to come on board and align themselves, you know, you're just not seeing a ton of thought being put towards capturing like the female market. So I do think there's like a, a which is where we come into play that we serve women ages 35 to 55 years old who are active and who are busy and who are, you know, moms and who really need like a natural aid to kind of help juggle everything that they're doing throughout the week and who, who need it for like a micro, you know, more like microdosed tool throughout their week for them to keep going. So, yeah, I mean, I do, I do think historically, but that's kind of on the brand. And I think, you know, I think it, that's where like investing in, in brand development, brand strategy, brand equity, equity, it can be like a longer term play. But if you want to change the perception of these products and shift the conversation, I think it's worth the investment because I do think that's where cannabis is going. I, I think that like there's a massive market for people who want, you know, just to consume consciously throughout their week just to keep them going, you know? Perfect segue into, into what I was about to ask you next. The MLB just brought on CBD sponsorships, and this is huge. What part do you think women's sports will play in that? Because I, I feel like women's sports and, and like you said, women who are, um, you know, highly active and turn to these products are going to be one of the biggest pieces, if not the biggest piece of breaking the stigma. So how do you see that coming about? Well, here, can I just be honest with you? Yeah. Women in general, when you look at history, women in general are typically the first movers. They're typically the pioneers of any movement, gay movement, you know, civil rights movement. Like it's the women who have orchestrated the movement. But because we haven't had much of a platform or we haven't had the same amount of resources, uh, more spotlight has been shown on male athletes or male sports. But actually, the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, they were the first league to not have a cannabis ban. But, you know, they haven't been, they didn't have the visibility in the same way that the MLB had, um, but they were actually the first league. So like women soccer athletes have been using these products openly and they were the first league that just didn't even have a cannabis testing policy. The MLB is the second league though. Obviously they, they have a much bigger platform, um, more money. And so it's been, it's definitely, they've gotten more media because of it. Um, you know, and they definitely wanted a PR moment around it to say like, we're not, we're not testing for cannabis anymore. They're actually testing for like several other drugs, which is great. But, you know, I do think like when you, when you think about and reflect back on so many of like these major social movements, it's, it's like the women who have really been the orchestrators of it and who really like led the charge. So, um, I think that women have had a big role in shifting the narrative. We saw it with Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird were the first two very high profile active athletes to partner with a hemp company. And then obviously Shikari Richardson last year, she has been a huge advocate in, you know, just using cannabis in sports and the different types of benefits that you get from it to kind of help manage anxiety and sorrow and grief. So I think that we've just seen a number of female athletes in their prime really standing up and aligning with cannabis use. Um, and I think that's going to be really powerful moving forward. Any tips or advice for anybody that is starting this cannabis journey? I think that's, I think that's one of the most interesting things. How many people get into it without talking to anyone who's involved already? 
So do you have any tips for anybody who's about to start? Oh, man. I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. It's definitely not for the faint of heart. It is an incredibly difficult industry, both hemp and on the THC side. It's an incredibly, they're difficult industry just to operate in. They're very restrictive. Not to say it's not worth it, but definitely know what you're getting yourself into. Surround yourself with good people. You know, there's a lot of great, wonderful people in the industry, and there's obviously some not so great, wonderful people in the industry. And I've had the, I've been introduced to both. And I think that like the more I operate in it, uh, you start to like sniff it out a little bit sooner, but definitely, you know, surround yourself with people who are like-minded and like valued and who have a similar mission as yours. But yeah, I mean, the plant's wonderful. Uh, We need as many good people in this industry as possible, but it's definitely a very difficult industry to operate in. Where can we find you? Where can we, what, you, Mindy, all of it? Yeah, well, find Mindy on www.themindyco.com um, and at the Mindy Co on Instagram and Twitter. So start there. I'm Rachel Rapino, I'm the CEO and founder. You can find me on Instagram, rrapino as well. But go to Mindy, check us out, check out our mission, check out our products. They really are, in my opinion, the best products in the industry. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel, for coming on. Thank you for joining us in the Halftime Report Powered by Sports Cannabis. Once again, I'm your host, D-Ray. Make sure y'all check her out. Make sure y'all check out everything with Mindy. I'm definitely going to keep my eye on y'all. I feel like, like I said, I'm rooting for the good guys in this space. Make sure y'all tune in next Wednesday at 4.20 p.m. for another one. Thank you. This, this.